Welcome. This is Raul Lowry Contreras, and this is the Contreras Report, issue 105-105. The Mexican Development Agency, Economic Development Agency, is called uh, by its acronym CONEVAL, C-O-N-E-V-A-L. And it sets the poverty line at income of 3,208 pesos, that's U.S. $140, in urban areas, and 2,086 pesos, that's U.S. $92, for rural residents. The extreme poverty line is 1,632 pesos in urban areas and 1,000 165 pesos, that's U.S. 50, 50, $51, and uh, uh, rural extreme poverty at U.S. $72. That's per month. So, what are the problems facing Mexico while it's still reaching the peak of the coronavirus? Well, uh, the if the economy contracts by 12% this year, the low end of forecasts will produce 16.4 million people more will be in income poverty and 18 million more will be forced into extreme low poverty. So things don't look well. These projections are from the research department of the bank BBVA. That is not something to look forward to. First quarter economic contraction, as predicted, the economy contracted in the first quarter. That's January through March. But by less than projected, the economy contracted by 1.2% when it had been projected to contract by 1.6%. Now, this is the worst contraction since the second quarter of 2009, when it was minus 5%. You know, there's an old saying in Mexico, when the U.S. sneezes, Mexico catches a cold. Well, the United States is about to, when when the second quarter is done, it will uh, be, it will show a huge drop in American GDP. And uh, the result will be that Mexico will also follow. The second quarter decline is projected to be far worse than the 1.2% of the first quarter because the big lockdown didn't occur until March, towards the end of March. The Bank of America has upped their 2020 projection from an 8% decline in the economy to 10%. Estimates the Bank of America estimates loss of a million formal jobs in 2020, which has probably already been reached. Now, things are not all totally dark. Mexico can be very creative and they can manufacture just about anything. They used to have uh, uh, ventilators in Mexico that are outmoded now that have been taken by researchers and engineers and brought up to date. Now, for a cost of $10,000 American, they can manufacture a new ventilator meeting all the modern standards and regulations. 
that same ventilator in the United States, made in the United States, is uh, sold anywhere from thirty to fifty thousand dollars, depending on on its detailed work. So, Mexican engineers and some students and people from a soft uh, drink company called FEMSA, F-E-M-S-A, and an automobile parts manufacturer, Metales, Metales, and the Monterey Technological Institute got together, and in less than four weeks, they took an, uh, models of old ventilators, and they created a whole new ventilator based on the same basic uh, uh, work that the old ventilators did, but this time they use it, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're easier to manufacture, and they cost less, and it shows that uh, the Mexican can be very creative when he wants to be. Now, let's go to southeast Mexico, where a group of Indians went to court and got a preliminary injunction uh, stopping construction on the Maya train, which is uh, President Lopez Obrador's number one infrastructure project that he's been pushing since he got elected. Contracts have been issued on uh, three of the five segments, and uh, uh, work has started. A judge, a local judge, uh, ordered work suspended because the local Indians sought a work suspension during the coronavirus emergency because, they said, that work would bring people into their areas, into their regions, that would endanger the health of the local people, and that the work would violate, the work on the train, would violate their constitutional right to health protection because of importing workers from the outside would increase their, their being exposed to coronavirus. The National Tourism Promotion Fund goes by the acronym FONATUR, F-O-N-A-T-U-R, challenged the provisional suspension, and it argued work couldn't possibly endanger the people there, for one thing, because the work, the train itself, has been declared an essential project by the national government. So uh, that is in spite of the national emergency. That, that the essential work uh, declaration was made on May 13th, and it was a national declaration. Now, President Lopez Obrador says the Maya train will trigger economics in southeast Mexico to the extent no one can even conceive of. That area happens to have the most poverty in all of Mexico. As I've said before in a previous podcast, the south of Mexico is like the south of the United States. Same problems. Educational problems. Income problems. Industrial problems. The American South is the least developed part of the United States, produces less gross domestic product, and uh, income levels are always lower than everywhere else in the country. Now, 
Again, President Lopez Obrador says his number one project, the Maya train, will trigger economic expansion and jobs in southeast Mexico like never before. And guess who agrees with that? The United Nations Habitat of the United Nations Human Settlement Program. It issued, it did some studies, and it issued the results that the project Maya Train will create almost a million jobs over the next 10 years. The report says, quote, UN Habitat estimates that between now and 2030, 715,000 jobs will be created in the 16 municipalities with a train station. 150,000 jobs will be created in the rural economy associated with the train, and 80,000 jobs will be created through construction work on the first five segments of the railroad in 2020, just this year. Projected, up to half of those new jobs will go to indigenous people. If you're not familiar with the word indigenous, that of course means native, which, let's face it, these are Indians mostly Maya Indians or descendants of Maya Indians. So the projection is that half of the new jobs will go to the local Indian population. 1.1 million people will be lifted out of poverty, the study says. That's a 15% drop in poverty for the train project to, to implement or to, to create. Quintana Roo, the state of Quintana Roo, which is half of the Yucatan Peninsula, the Cancun governor, or Quintana Roo is the home of, of Cancun, the governor of Quintana Roo expects that hotel people will be back to work after June 1 and customers June 8th. 80,000 hotel and restaurant jobs were lost during the lockdown. 1,600 companies have signed up for anti-pandemic training leading to health, a health certificate which will be issued by the government. That is good news for a lot of workers in, uh, in uh, the Mexican Riviera. In Cancun, coincidentally, construction of the 449-room hotel Gran Solis Cancun has been stopped by local authorities. It's a 14-story, $90 million project uh, being built on a plot of land of 18,844 square meters. I don't know how much that is in acres, but it's a decent-sized piece of property, and of course it's on the water. Apparently, the, uh, the building permits were issued in 2017, but because of problems with the work permits themselves, they were rescinded in 2018. But just a week after the old one was rescinded, new ones were issued in September of 2018, and they were good until September 27th of 2020. That's this year. The question, these are city permits. Were the city permits issued before federal permits were issued nationally for the project? If so, they are null and void. This will be sorted out, so we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. I've been talking about uh, the, the problems that the federal government is causing in the electrical generation industry. The 
Ministry of Energy of President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador has published new regs this month in May that slam the door on private energy producers. Private energy renewable energy producers. President Lopez Obrador and his henchman, Manuel Bartlett, who I'll discuss in a minute, is behind this rape of Mexico. And it truly is a rape. He said at a press conference his government will prefer using the Comisión Federal de Electricidad, that's the Federal Electricity Commission, over private energy producers because current contracts of lowest prices were awarded by preference, implying that bribes were paid, even though some private energy generators sold power to the government for $27 per megawatt hour while the government produces electricity at $141 per megawatt hour. Figure that one out. Lopez Obrador complains that power had to be bought from private companies at lower prices by contract than from government generation at higher prices. Wow! Gee, Mr. President, you sold to the lowest bidder. Ha <laughs> ha! AMLO also says that private companies are also angry because they were evading taxes and he is catching them. Oh, yes, Mr. President. Sure, they were evading taxes. I'm sorry. But uh, that doesn't hold up because of the EVA tax. Every time somebody buys something, uh, they pay uh, an EVA tax of about 15%. I know. I live in Mexico, and I paid even for my electricity. So let's assume my electricity is 200 pesos. That's 100 pesos a month, about $5 a month, okay? Let's assume that. So let's assume my bill is 200 pesos. Then the government charges me 15%. That's 30 pesos, 30 pesos. That goes directly to the government for electricity, most, most of which is produced by the government. Now, Manuel Bartlett is a name you don't know, but between 1982 and 1988, he was a secretario de gobernación, what we call the secretary of the interior, although it means different, uh, it is a, has a different meaning in Mexico. It is the, it is the uh, domestic uh, uh, law enforcement uh, political Hack Department of the government. Generally speaking, since uh, 1946, the Secretario de Gobernación that is in power when the candidate for president is selected by the then ruling party, the PRI, uh, the Secretario de Gobernación uh, is promoted to become president. Manuel Bartley was on the presidential track, but several things happened. This is well portrayed in a series on Netflix about the Mexican, uh, about Chapo, El Chapo, and the other drug cartels and the election of uh, 1988, I think it was. And uh, Carlos Salinas de Guantari was elected president. 
because at the last minute he replaced Manuel Bartlett, who was favored to be president, because Manuel Bartlett has a problem. It seems that he was implicated in the murder of United States law enforcement guy named Enrique Camarena, who worked narcotics and investigated the cartels. He was kidnapped. He was tortured and then murdered in Guadalajara. Manuel Bartlett was implicated in that. And if you see the movie, The Narcos of Mexico, The Narcos de Mexico, look it up on Netflix. It's an excellent, excellent uh, series. And uh, Bartlett is portrayed by the main character who wants to be president in this series. And he is shoved aside when it becomes uh, known that he has been taking a lot of bribes. And in this particular case, uh, Bartlett was accused by people in the know of being involved in the Camarena murder. So he did not become president, despite the fact that it was traditional for his cabinet office to be the stepping stone for the president. Now, because he's a buddy of Lopez Obrador, the president, Manuel Bartlett is the chairman of the Federal Electricity Commission. And he has now opened up a formal campaign to destroy simulation and fraud by private companies that provide renewable energy, mostly foreign-owned. Foreign investors control them. So he wants to end simulation and fraud, whatever that means. This commission has filed complaints against private firms. He says those firms have an unfair advantage because the private firms don't pay the commission electricity commission for using its transmission lines to transport energy they generate, nor do they pay the state-owned company for backup power when they're not producing power or putting power into the grid. That allows private firms to save billions of pesos, according to uh, Bartlett. That's billions of pesos. He hopes the commission will correct, quote, illegal, irrational, and unfair decisions made by previous administration, the previous administration of Enrique Peña Nieto, the PRI guy, where Bartlett was a big shot for most of his life. Both Obrador and Bartlett say they are committed, committed to rescuing the state-owned generator of electricity, the Federal Commission of Electricity. Now, there is opposition. The Confederation of Industrial Chambers, the acronym is CONCAMIN, C-O-N-C-A-M-I-N, says, not so forcefully, as, as forcefully as, as could be by someone who's telling the truth and, and is standing up for the right might of, of honesty and uh, Accomplishment. The Confederation of Industrial Chambers, Concamin, says that Chairman Manuel Bartlett, quote, is lying. Private firms pay for transmission monthly. Renewable energy is not subsidized in Mexico. Yeah, 
the the Concamin has all the paperwork. They've got they've got the the facturas, the invoices. They've got the uh, canceled checks or the the money transfer. There, this is all recorded and it's open for the world to see. But Manuel Bartlett c- continues to say that they're the private energy firms are crooked. Well, the private people say he's lying. Manuel Bartlett was a dinosaur PRR guy. And then when he was bumped aside in the race for president, he had a change of heart. Now, he was the former secretary of the Gobernación, and then he became, he was elected governor of the state of Puebla, which is just east of Mexico City. And he was elected then after that as a federal Mexican senator. Remember, he was implicated in the murder of U.S. narcotics officer Enrique Camarena. So he was shoved aside. Now, he in 2006, he became a friend of, of, uh, of Lopez Obrador, who ran for president that year uh, as from the party, the Partido Revolucion Democrático, the PRT. Felipe Calderón of the Partido Acción Nacional, the PAN, P-A-N, beat López Obrador. López Obrador refused to accept the, the uh, decision of the Electoral Commission when they made their statement that Calderón won by a slim margin, won one and a half percent, granted, but that was after six years of Felipe Fox. And so uh, it was the first time that the opposition party had won the presidency in 2000 with Fox and was the first time it put up a candidate for the next election. So nobody knew what was going to happen. It was a close race, but Lopez Obrador lost. He claimed to be the legitimate president of Mexico and he went around the country fomenting riots and demonstrations and claimed that he was the legitimate president and he made appointments to his cabinet and one of his appointments was his buddy, Manuel Bartlett, who endorsed him for president in 2006. And so when he did become president a year and a half ago, he appointed Manuel Bartlett director of the Federal Electricity Commission, which is a great place to be bribed. And so uh, Bartlett fits in very well there. It is Bartlett who is the point man in leading the attempted takeover of all electrical generation in Mexico, effectively ending, ending private electrical generation. The private firms are fighting back and they point out that renewable energy generation plants are only paid for the electricity they generate. So if they only operate, say, during daylight, uh, it's a solar uh, installation, okay? Uh, Solar power. And so when the sun's not out, it doesn't generate any, so they shut down, okay? And so what they're saying, and I presume they have the paperwork to prove it, is they don't get paid for the hours they aren't actually putting electricity into the grid. Concamin handles Bartlett's false statements that private firms are paid even when they don't generate electricity by pointing out that government facilities are paid when they don't generate hydroelectric uh, generation, for example. So if they got a hydroelectric uh, electrical 
uh, electricity generating situation at a dam in, say, Coahuila, where I know there's some big dams, uh, when they shut down, let's say they run for 24 hours, and then they shut down for 48 hours, and they alternate their generating time. They get paid. So even if the mech, if the private ones are paid, they get, you know, the, the government guys get paid. Bartlett's, Bartlett wants to renegotiate signed contracts, contracts that were signed in 2010 for 20-year terms. So we're halfway, and now he wants to go back in and, and, and have them, the private energy people, pay the government more money. The government has paid to these private firms in 10 years, $872.5 million for energy. But private renewable energy was 46% of electricity generation last year in Mexico. And there's 28 new uh, solar and uh, wind uh, facilities that are ready to go online to kick that 46% up. But Bartlett and Lopez Obrador are stopping it, or trying to stop it. They're being fought. The, the, the Concamin and the private people are fighting back. And guess who is on their side? Seven elected governors. Seven elected governors from the states of Nuevo León, Coahuila, Tamaulipas, Durango, Michoacán, Jalisco, and Colima. They met last week in uh, Coahuila, and they drew up a plan to fight AMLO and Bartlett's power grab of electricity generation. They are organizing to file lawsuits to stop AMLO's, President AMLO's attempt to freeze out private electricity generation. The rejection of AMLO's proposal to not allow 28 wind and solar facilities, new ones, to finish certification and enter into the electrical national grid, the electricity grid, started with National Energy Control Center, uh, which is another government agency. It's called SENACE, that's C-E-N-N-C-E, announced that Pemex's surplus oil would be bought to fire up outdated and inefficient polluting electrical generation plants. The announcement freezes the 28 new facilities that are waiting the final inspection for certification so they can start working into the system, into the grid. The seven governors met after another AMLO move to shut down private energy generation by newly issued regs from the Federal Energy Ministry which was uh, May 13th. That essentially ends any new private energy production and generation anywhere in the country, including those 28 plants, or any future expansion of private energy production. Another federal agency, Federal Economic Competition Commission, C-O-F-E-C-E, COFESE, has warned electrical rates will go up due to the monopoly AMLO and Bartlett are trying to create and so that his government will have total control of energy generation in Mexico. Now, how does this affect individual Mexicans? 
a group of Mexican women in President Lopez Obrador's hometown of Macusapaña, Macusapaña, the state of Tabasco, has promised Lopez Obrador that, quote, the blood will flow, unquote, if the Federal Electricity Commission cuts their power again for failing to pay their electricity bill. <laughs> the group Exotica Textiles, Exotic Textiles, went to social media to inform the president that the commission cut their power while they were feverishly trying to fill a contract to make face masks to help in the fight against coronavirus. The group met with Lopez Obrador when he was elected, but before he became president, to ask for lower electricity rates, and he promised to meet with them after he became president. He hasn't. The women hold him personally responsible. Blood will flow, is what the women say. Women. <laughs> now, we've talked about Pemex, the national oil company, a number of times. Right now, they can't sell oil. They're only selling half of the oil that they sold to the United States 10 years ago. They're only selling half of that to the United States now. So, in the first quarter, they lost 560 billion dollar uh, billion pesos uh, in red ink and losses. So how about the refineries that were built 20, 30, 40 years ago? Five Pemex refineries are among the world's worst polluters. That's five of six refineries among the world's worst 25 in refineries. It's measured sulfur dioxide emissions monitored by satellites because you can actually see the, the emissions. The top three are number one, Saudi Arabia, number two, Qatar, the little island uh, oil producer in the Persian, is it the Persian Gulf? Yeah. Uh, or is it the Arabian Gulf? Whatever, whichever. And uh, refinery in Singapore. Number four and number five are in Mexico. Experts say these facilities don't have scrubbers. The Mexican oil industry includes oil fields, refining and burning for energy generation. And it is second in the world only to Saudi Arabia, which produces six times that of Mexico. Saudi Arabia produces 1,783 kilotons of pollutants. Mexico produces 1,580 kilotons of pollutants. Pemex, government-owned oil. In our last get-together, I talked about how proud I was of the American Legion post in Mexico City, who, though had to close because of the lockdown, kept their kitchen open and they used food that they had purchased that they couldn't sell in the restaurant uh, to put together some uh, dinners and some meals for needy people, poor people, people who didn't have anything to eat. And I thought that was a great deal. And I brought it up because I know that some of you will go to Mexico City soon. And when the lockdown is lifted, the American Legion Post in Mexico City will be open for business. And you uh, do yourself a lot of good, I think, 
by going there and having a couple of drinks and maybe a meal or maybe and or maybe uh, giving a donation. So because they're going to continue this. So what happened this year and what happened with this year's Memorial Day? Normally, the Department of Defense, the United States Department of Defense, led by our commander in chief, the president of the United States, in this case, Donald J. Trump, every year, the Department of Defense gives the American Legion Post and others in Mexico City uh, donates money that's budgeted for Memorial Day observations in Mexico City. In Mexico City. And what they've done is... uh, uh, What they've done is they've taken the money they normally use to celebrate Memorial Day at the Mexico City National Cemetery, which is managed by the American Battle Monuments Commission, and they have ceremonies there. Well, this time, because there were not going to be any ceremonies because of the lockdown, they donated the money to the American Legion Post to buy food. And so they were able to... oh. There's four American Legion posts in Mexico that I know of. Mexico City, Lake Chapala, which is just outside Guadalajara, and Puerto Vallarta in Jalisco State, and Puerto Peñasco in Sonora State. Now, what they did is they donated enough money that they went from 100 uh, meals, which they started doing, uh, to 1,000 on Memorial Day. Good job, Department of Defense. Good job, American Legion Post in Mexico City. Now, we all know that Mexico is producing a lot of cars. We all know that 70 to 80% are exported to the United States. We all know that there's at least 20 car manufacturing factories in Mexico. Some of them make two different brands, so that's why I'm not giving you an exact number. And that we know that the red Chinese, the communist Chinese, have entered the market with a, a, their own factory, but they're not, they're just getting started. We know that a BMW is building another another plant in Mexico. So, Mexico has twice as many free trade agreements as uh, the United States does, and therefore you see Mexican-made cars in places you don't see American cars. Now, for example. In the past five years, I have traveled over 90,000 air miles back and forth to the Republic of Azerbaijan, where I've done some work, uh, reporting and writing. I've written a bo- uh, two books uh, relating to Azerbaijan and probably 30 published articles in the United States uh, on the Internet and uh, in Jerusalem. The Jerusalem Post publishes me. Anyway, uh, when I'm riding around uh, in Baku, which is a city of three million people, very wealthy oil town, lots and lots of really nice cars, a handful of Ladas built by the Russians, which are really terrible cars. Uh, They're built in a a plant built by Fiat uh, for the Russians. Anyway, Mexican-made cars exported from Mexico to Azerbaijan. Somebody's counting. I didn't know because you can't tell a Nissan built in Aguascalientes is from a Nissan built in Japan. They all look alike. So I, I had no idea. In 2016, Mexico exported five. That's five. The fingers on one hand. 
cars to the Republic of Azerbaijan, which, by the way, is 7,000 miles or so from Mexico City. In 2017, Mexico exported 100 cars to Azerbaijan. In 2018, Mexico exported 600 cars to Azerbaijan. In 2019, Mexico exported 1,467 cars to Azerbaijan. In 2019, Mexico exported 3.3 million cars worldwide. Now, I pay attention to this when I'm in um, uh, Azerbaijan, in Baku, mostly. And what I pay attention to is, I'm a, I own a Ford Mustang. And so I'm partial to Mustangs. And so I'm always looking for them. Whether I'm in Istanbul or Baku, I'm always looking for Mustangs. Because that is one of America's most produced and sold car ever. And I've seen one Mustang in Baku. One. For those of you that forget, Azerbaijan is between Iran on the south and Russia on the north, Armenia and Turkey on the west, and on the east, the Caspian Sea. You look on the map, you'll see, find the Caspian Sea, look immediately to your left, that is the Republic of Azerbaijan, an oil country, an oil producer, has been for a couple hundred years, well, 150, 60 years. Anyway, so I'm always looking for cars that I recognize, and uh, I, I see, I've seen one Mustang in Azerbaijan. See, Ford de Mexico doesn't make Mustangs in Mexico. Therefore, there were none in Azerbaijan. And the one that I did see probably was made in the United States, probably shipped by, via Germany, uh, was bought here by somebody that maybe went home or whatever. So anyway, I pay attention to those things, and uh, the Mexican car industry is starting to export to countries few people have even ever heard of. Okay, let's wind up with my projection or my prediction about uh, with this question. Let me ask this question. Is Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador the worst president since Carlos Salinas de Gortari, worse even more than Enrique Peña Nieto, who preceded Lopez Obrador in the Mexican presidency. First thing he did before he became president, and actually implemented it when he became president, is he canceled work on the brand new airport that was being built outside Mexico City. It was half completed, costing billions of dollars to reach that point. He canceled the work. What he did is he had a phony plebiscite in which maybe one or two percent of the Mexican national population voted, and they voted to end the project and go with his program of building a new airport outside Mexico City and joining it in servicing air traffic with the military airport, which he will expand. Then he announced a new airport dozens of miles away from the canceled airport plus future use of the Mexican Air Force field outside Mexico City. Then he announced a plebiscite to approve his Maya train infrastructure project that he wanted to build 1,500 kilometers through five states, the five poorest states in Mexico. 
And of course, uh, the people voted overwhelmingly. Of course, not very many people voted in that. So they shut down, or they, um, um, the United Nations stepped forth and said that uh, that election really didn't meet international standards. Then he announced the plebiscite in Mexicali, which is the state capital of Baja, California. That plebiscite would ask the people to approve or shut down a new gigantic brewery with a thousand new jobs that was 75% completed. It was already completed, ready to go, almost ready to go. So naturally, one or two percent of the people voted, and uh, they voted against the brewery and uh, shut it down before it even got started. Now, here's the kicker. AMLO wants to institute a new index, a new national index that will measure happiness in order to substitute for normal GDP measurement. AMLO says, and I quote, I am working now on an index to measure well-being, an alternative index to the so-called gross domestic product index. I'm going to present a new parameter that will measure growth, but also well-being and degrees of social inequality. The index will include measuring the, quote, happiness of the people, unquote. That's our report on Mexican business today. The Contreras Report, Business Mexico, will be back in a few days. And I ask that you join us. I'm Raul Lowry Contreras. This is issue 105 of the Contreras Report, Business Mexico. Thank you so much for being there.